0: Well, welcome to Suburbs Talk About Games. I'm your co-host Mango,
1: and I am your co-host Buddy.
0: And today we're going to talk a little bit about Starfinder again. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast?
1: On this podcast, we like to talk about games, uh, and we've been talking a lot about Starfinder. Obviously, it's on all of our minds, you know. Um, and uh, but we didn't make it all the way through the, the the rule book, and so we're back and better than ever for Christmas this year, and Starfinders here, I guess. Um, so we left off on the Mystic. Wow, it is insane how little of this book we got through.
0: <laughs> yep, uh, although, oh wow, yeah. Uh, page page count-wise, we got through less than a fifth of it. But I think kind <laughs> of like, content-wise, we've gotten through more of it than we think, just because like, there's so much as the same as Pathway. That we do. But anyway, so of wasting time talking about percentages of books. Let's let's just jump right into it. Um if we out the optimistic that means we need to start with the operative, right?
1: Uh yeah, I guess so, yes.
0: Alright, so operative. Six HP, uh eight plus intelligence modifier, skill ranks, it's the the rogue type. Um proficiency in light armor, basic melee weapons, small arms and sniper weapons. Any comments about that?
1: Uh the first comment I have is just that sniper weapons seem like a huge fucking like trap almost like your um okay so to 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 jump ahead a little bit to like the core sniper or sorry the core um op- operative feature which is called the trick attack the trick attack isn't usable with sniper weapons unless you get an operative exploit for it and even then sniper rifles are unwieldy so it's really tough to do like lo- it's just like it is just it is much harder to play a sniper operative than it might otherwise look on the tin which bugs me because that's the kind of operative I feel like I would want to play immediately.
0: Yeah, I I, I think I think that's the, like the, the fact that separate weapons are a separate proficiency is a little weird. I think that's supposed to basically be that's the operatives heavy weapons options. It doesn't get long arms, right? Um, but I do agree that it's that it's that it's a little weird. Um, I don't, I don't know how to feel about it. Um, yeah
1: I, I really and, and I also just kind of think I mean we'll talk about this more when we talk about weapon types and everything like that. Um, I think that there are like small flaws I guess to the weapons balance in the game that uh, uh, make make a build like a, like a sniper uh, a sniper operative build um, pretty pretty tough to pull off. Maybe it'll be solved with future equipment updates. I have a feeling it will be solved with future equipment updates. There just aren't a lot of sniper rifles right now. Yeah, so I was gonna say you don't have a lot of you don't have a lot of kind of customization op- options compared to long arms, small arms, right? Um, um, but I actually you know. think
0: that's kind of universally true. I, I just don't think there's enough of everything yet, um, uh, especially when it comes to. like, I think the long arms and the and the small arms are are kind of the best filled out. But I think like melee weapons, you need a like. A bunch more stuff in there. Um, I don't know. I, I I I'm very mixed about like the amount of content that seems to be in this book. I, I feel like kind of like because they have to. You have to have uh, like level variants for everything. There's a lot of kind of like uh, like a breadth that you don't get that you got in like core core uh, Pathfinder, um, right? Because because there's only like, you don't have level x hammers you got like seven types of hammers and 30 types of pole arms yeah, yeah. Um, whereas this is like f- you know five levels of that weird space X and like 30 types of pistol um at different you know, th- like 30 total s- five of six different varieties of pistol type of deal um just because you, you have to kind of stack it up but that that's kind of outside the scope of this right now um operative uh let's go through the class features i guess six six hp is is standard i think the only thing that's less is and the only thing that's higher is soldier right and uh and uh what's it called uh uh solarian right
1: yeah solarian also has seven hp um so, yeah, I, I think most of this stuff is uh, is pretty, I guess, kind of like boilerplate almost. The other thing I thought was interesting is uh, the 8-plus in modifier skill ranks. Um, they did a healthy amount of, co- of uh, consolidation when it comes to skills, so t- to a certain extent it feels a little bit to me that, like, just the operative can just take a million fucking skills with that 8-plus. Um, and that uh, uh, maybe almost that would kind of create a situation where there's too much... Um, but I also think, you know, like, with on like, Envoy has eight and kind of needs eight, uh, so, you know, I don't think it's the, it's it's the worst thing in the world or anything along those lines. It,
0: anything you think's missing from the skill proficiencies list?
1: No, the, the, the list itself seems pretty exhaustive. Yeah, like yeah. Commas, you know, yeah.
0: All right. All right. Uh, it's got a three quarters BAB, um, bad fork, good reflex and will. I don't really have a lot to say about that. Yeah, me neither. Um. Um, so, there are a couple of, uh,
1: there are a couple of different, uh, class features. The first one is Operative's Edge, which is a plus one insight bonus to initiative checks and to skill checks. Just, that's it. Just to skill checks. Which I was kind of like, wow. This is kind of the thing that in League of Legends they talked about, kind of like, um, uh, you know, like, imperceivable power. Where it's like, if you actually take the, if you take this out for a second and say, All of their skills get a plus one to them, right? That's a huge amount of power that's really hard to see, I think. Um, But the other thing that I realized about this, uh, because it kind of came up in our game, is that insight bonuses um, are the default bonus type for, like, skill focus, like the uh, the skill focus feats. Um, or, like, the skill synergy feat or whatever. So it actually does kind of, um, like, weirdly level some of that stuff off where, like, you know, by the time that you're level 10 or whatever, you essentially have skill focus in every feat. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just thought that – I th- this This is a very interesting – I can't believe they, they, they put this on the budget of uh, the operatives kind of
0: power level. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. I actually did not realize until right now that it was on, on every skill check. Yeah. That's like, that's, that's crazy. Right. Um, isn't it though? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Yeah. All right. um,
1: Anyway, next you have your specialization. Uh, specialization is kind of the similar, you know. Uh, That's the little, thing that everybody has. Yeah, yeah. It's where you kind of choose choose who you are. Um, the specializations uh, come in uh, later. Uh, you also get a skill focus feat as part of your fe- specialization, which is which is part of what I think is funny about the, you know, the operatives edge thing. Like that that skill focus feat is just completely worthless by the time. You know you reach level 10 or 11 but i guess it 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 has power for you know for the early game um the operative specializations i guess just to skip forward uh are actually pretty bare bones a lot of the time they don't have a lot of um like they don't have a ton of uh detail to them outside of just kind of like a theme compared to something like you know um the hacker's choice right which had like a lot of different uh, uh depth kind of options these are much much wider but also much shallower right so you have daredevil who uses acrobatics and athletics right um you get a special kind of attack at level 11 detective uh culture and sense motive right explorer culture and survival um you also get specific bonuses um to making trick attacks with certain kinds of skills right so an explorer can attempt a trick attack uh, with the survival check um, by using your surroundings to your advantage, which I actually think is kind of a neat idea flavor-wise. Like, I would love to play an operative uh, explorer so that I could, you know, flavor things that way. Um, ghost, which which is acrobatics and stealth, and allows you to use stealth to make your trick attack, um, which is one of those... Uh, it's probably one of the most straightforward examples of what we would expect from uh, from a ghost um, hacker, which uses computers and engineering, spy, which uses bluff and disguise, and thief, which uses perception and sleight of hand. Um, all of these these specializations are kind of so uh, uh, general that I, I wasn't specifically drawn to any of them in particular. Did you have anything uh, about these that you thought was uh, more interesting?
0: Um, I, so I think be- between the, the, the early advanced specialization kind of exploit, that you get for free at level five, and the uh, and the the special ones uh, at eleventh level. I think this kind of like. I think this is less about kind of building an identity for the operative, but kind of like blending all the classes kind of together, right? Like, I, I feel like that's the thing that they did a lot in this game, where like there's very few classes that kind of, or a, a lot of the kind of more general classes kind of can blend together, right? Like mechanic, operative, soldier, um, envoy, kind of all kind of operate in this weird kind of soft space technomancer mystic and uh and Slaren, i think have very solid kind of definitions but every, everything else kind of um kind of kind of mushes together in the space and i think that's kind of th- that's part of what these things do right like you can push yourself towards the mechanic end of things with hacker um and and you know and more towards the uh more towards the kind of soldier aspect with with Daredevil, although that's not perfect, but you, but you, you, you get what I'm saying. It kind of it kind of muddles the the um the lines between between uh, the the different kind of uh class fantasies, is I, I guess the the best way to put that. Um, just just to go back for a second to, to, to the skill focused part. Um, like I think the real value there is the free skill point. So while it's eight plus intelligence base, it's actually ten. Because your specialization gives you two for free, so that that's like an epic fuck ton of skills. Um this is this is so much Yeah,
1: actually now that I think about it, wow, I forgot about that. That is a just that's an insane amount of skills.
0: Yeah. Um Yeah, and then and then the, the skill focus ball does fall off. It does give you kind of like a leading bonus to like level seven. Um, which is I think kind of neat. Because one of the things I think that, that that it's hard to do in a um, in in kind of tabletop games is is that the early levels make you feel like a specialist, and so this lets you kind of have that edge at the low level, right? Like you get those extra three ranks. Um, uh, it's only two, but like versus a normal character, it's an extra three ranks on somebody else, and you can kind of feel better about it. I think. Um, and this is is also not a thing that's like unique to, uh, uh, to the operative, right? Like I think almost every class gets one of these kind of like, uh, insight bonuses to a skill. So skill focus seems to just have been shifted as a, uh, as kind of like what its base meaning is supposed to be, which is, um, specialization outside of your class norm. Um, and so that's just like, not a thing that operatives, operatives are, operatives are kind of specialized in all skills, Whereas you skill focuses, the aim seems to be a specialized like a mystic in something not mystic, right? Like a sleight of hand, or uh, a, uh a, a, what's it called, or a, um, or like a diplomacy or, or something that they normally wouldn't get those bonuses to. Yeah. Um, but that, but that's, I guess, more in the feat section. But yeah, that, that that's my only thought deep on the specialization. But I do agree with you; they are much less defining than say the mechanics. Robot versus, uh, uh, AI, or, you know, I, I, AI, uh, Exocortex dro- versus yeah, exocor- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, there we go. Choice. Um,
1: yeah, from there, you know, we've got evasion, pretty, pretty. We skipped copied. over trick attack, which oh, is, I think, oh, the yeah, most I'm important sorry,
0: thing. I yeah, um. So, trick attack is you can uh, trick or startle start a low and then attack once you drops your guard. Is a full action, you can move up to your speed. Whether or not you moved you may then make an attack with a melee weapon, with the opposite special property, or with any small arm. Just before making your attack, attempt to bluff, intimidate, or stealth, or with your associated specialization skill, DC equal to 20 plus your target's CR. If you succeed at the check, you deal 1d4 additional damage, and the target is flat-footed damage increased to 1d8 third level, 3d8 at fifth, and by 1d8 every two levels thereafter. You can't use the ability with one that has the unwieldy special property where there requires a full action to make a single attack. Um this is kind of like the 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 thing that like makes the uh the operative like a, a hardcore DPS class. Um uh, back at Gen Con, uh our friend of the show, Alex, was talking about how he played an operative in the test game that, that you guys played. Um and how it was just how he was like it's broken and i did the back of the napkin math and it's it's strong it's not i don't think it's broken like you can get very close to it with a soldier specialized for damage but it's also like this is not a thing that you have to think about um and it very clearly points the operative in the direction of doing damage right like the soldier has to choose to do damage whereas the operative kind of must do damage like that's like the kind of the the, the main mechanic it seems like here
1: yeah i also think that uh, uh so something that i kind of missed um about all of this is that the operative um so like so part of what makes the operative powerful is like the synergy it gets later down the line with operative melee weapons and with small arms right operative melee weapons are essentially light weapons that you can use um uh with you know your dex bonus um but the the thing about that is that you only get half of the flat bonus you get from your level to your attacks with these, uh, which is which really cuts into the DPS that gets done um, with these operative uh, like you know like with with the, your trick shots. Uh, and your standard attacks, right, if I'm just, if I'm railing at you at level 10 with long arms and I have a plus 10 on those attacks, that's a big difference uh, compared to an operative who only gets the plus 5. And I think that, and, you know, on top of the base dice always being worse for, for small arms uh, than for long arms, right, you know, like, I think this, this kind of fills in that gap um yeah something the, that i missed kind of initially when i because i i had the same read i was like holy fuck like operative is ridiculous um but then i realized that you know like the uh um that the weapon specialization only only applied for half your level on you know the most powerful arms for for the operative the only thing that it would apply full level on ironically would be sniper rifles
0: yeah i i actually did the, i i included that when i did the back of the napkin math yeah um and the the operative still comes ahead, like two or so damage on average, I think. Um, but again, that's at Like the cost of things like flexibility and ability to use other things. And you have to be using the, like, you know, the trick attack locks you into the full round action, right? Like a soldier gets, can, could theoretically use something else with their move action. Um, instead of, instead of, you know, doing this, this move thing, um, not, not to say that it isn't plenty flexible, but, um, I don't think it's unbalanced. Um, but it is it is kind of like a, a hard signal to the players about like what you're expected to do with this character, as where I was kind of saying before that like this, uh, God bless you that the um, the skills kind of like you can kind of blend the purpose the identity of the character on the skill section right. in terms of the combat functionality. The opposite is kind of very much pushed in this uh, in this D- DPR position. Um, that, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, I uh, I'm I'm on board. Um, I get that.
0: All right. Um moving on, evasion is evasion, as we've always had it. Good old trusty evasion. I don't think there's much to say about that.
1: <laughs> I have literally nothing to say about it.
0: Um operative exploits, exploits.
1: Um are kind of like the rogue uh what are they called? Rogue tricks. Tricks. Talents? Yeah. Rogue,
0: yeah, rogue rogue talents, alchemist discoveries, investigator exactly, whatever the fuck.
1: Right. You know, like he's just a smattering of them, right? You got field treatment you know, you take one minute to tend to your wounds and spend one resolve point. Uh, you know, which is marginally better, right? Um, you know, you can get, you can give yourself uh, low light vision and dark vision with the night vision operative exploit, right? Like it's pretty. It, you know, it, it's pretty. It's pretty straightforward. Um, there aren't a ton of these uh, compared to what I feel like those lists for, like the, you know, like, the rogue uh, the rogue tricks or, like, the, the barbarian rage powers kind of, like, look like. Um, but it's, it's kind of obviously, like, the place that they're going to fill in with plenty of supplemental material over the course of the next couple of, you know...
0: Yeah, I, and, and something that I, I kind of like about Starfinder in general is that they seem to have moved to this kind of model um, that, like, we started to see in, in, in Pathfinder, which is, like, uh, every every two or three levels you get one of these thematic choices of things and most of the classes here have that right like you've got the envoy improvisations you've got the mechanic uh tricks you've got um the mystics get their connection powers which are less direct but still in that kind of space operatives get their operative uh exploits Solarians get their mystic mystic revelations soldiers get feats because you know everybody loves feats um tech dimensions and tech dimensions get magic hacks. So this kind of this model of um every two or three levels you get something neat and interesting and typically tied to your class is uh I think a good model um, I I liked it on the alchemist rogue investigator slayer yep uh gunslinger I think had uh, the the de- deeds are a little bit different but it's kind of in that same family of stuff. I, I liked it on all of that um, uh, and so I'm glad to see it, it, it kind of being like a full force thing in 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 uh, starfinder um, but yeah, I, I think I'd agree with you that there's there's not a ton of ton of these here but but you know m- when when the spot machine starts up, I'm sure we'll have more than we can handle um, uh, is, was there anything any of them that you wanted to point in particular? I do like this the, the specialization giving you a high level one. Early mechanic, which is another thing I think that's reflecting a couple of the other classes.
1: Yeah, that is actually very true. Um, which I think is just, I just think that's so cool. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I actually don't have a lot to say about these. They're they're pretty they're pretty straightforward. Um, I I feel like they have to make these pretty uh, not bland, but uh, they they have to make them straightforward off the it, like off the get go to cover their bases essentially.
0: Yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. You know, No, that makes perfect sense.
1: Uh, but I guess, wait, is that it? Once we're, once we're, pa- no, no, no. There's a no, there's, qu- there's
0: quick movement. Um, uh, so quick movement is a thing. So is, is, you know, standard quick movement. You increase your land speed. Um, this is a thing that I actually, it's kind of, as long as you're unencumbered and wearing light armor or no armor. Um, this is a thing I don't quite, <laughs> excuse me, don't quite like, um, there was a bunch of this in Pathfinder, which is basically rules that your character has to adhere to to keep you from taking proficiencies outside of the base, which was, you know, like, mages can't wear armor because they don't have any, um, uh, you know, they don't have, they have arcane spell kit failure per, uh, percentage. Most classes have some sort of feature that's like, if you're wearing heavier than a certain class of armor, you can't, uh, you can't use a certain class feature. Right. Um, and, I, I'm not a fan of that design. I actually really like the 5e the five, uh, the five e design, which is basically if you can get proficiency in it, it doesn't matter. You just have to go grab proficiency in it. Um, I think the balance point there, which is why they need this kind of thing, is that it's easier to get proficiencies in Pathfinder because it's just like one feat, whereas in 5e feats, are much more rare. It's like one every four levels, I think. Um, and oh, so it's, okay. it's, it's hard to spec into it. Mm-hmm. Um and you're also trading off uh, your 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 ability score increase to do that, which is you know it, it costs a lot more in 5e. right? Um, but um, I'm just in general not a fan of these. Like, well, we say you can get whatever thing you want, but really you have to, uh, like, there that they, you will take heavier penalties than than that if you're uh, if if you go too far if you color too far outside the lines. I think quick movement isn't the worst thing if you really wanted to play a heavily armored uh, operative. And I expect in the future, like, something, like, some archetype will will switch out quick movement, thus. Because I think that's really the only thing in here that that requires you to be wearing light armor. I could be wrong about that, but I I haven't spotted anything else. I don't remember anything else. Um, But I'm just not a fan of that kind of philosophy. It's pretty
1: bare bones here, uh, I feel like. But, yeah, in Pathfinder, it is typically, like, much, much heavier. Where you have that line attached to a lot of skills, or a lot of class features. You know what I mean? So, essentially, you can't use half your class if you choose to kind of uh, do something crazy like that. I don't really know how I feel about that design. To a certain extent, I think it's a balancing, um, uh, you know, like, it's a balancing concern. Like, maybe there are some kind of edge cases that we're not necessarily thinking of. But at the end of the day, I also just kind of think that, like, to a certain extent, it's trying to protect, um, like, it's almost trying to, like, enforce a certain kind of class fantasy if that makes sense, like I like I understand that if you wear if you are heavily encumbered, right, or you are wearing heavy armor, that you shouldn't be able to move as fast, right. That that that's something that makes a kind sure. of like an yeah, like yeah. intuitive sense, uh, kind of from like a lore perspective almost. And so maybe that's kind of where they're coming at it. You know, like they don't want somebody running around at sixty. You know at 60 sure. Feet per round be- when they're wearing power armor. Right,
0: but 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 I'd prefer for that to be like uh like I'd prefer to fast movement to be an exploit which has it attached to attachment so you're free to not take it and take something in its place if you'd rather go the heavier armored route something like that. Yeah, uh, I
1: actually think that that's probably uh, that's probably fair though. I also think that land speed is uh, is typically an incredibly good option, and in fact it's an, it's even better in uh, Starfinder because of. Buffs essentially by making them easier to take, um, both to shot on the run and to um, uh, uh, spring attack. Know, spring attack, right? Um, essentially, because full attacks are less domineering in terms of power level, right? That like making a single attack on a turn is is actually pretty pretty solid for most classes. Um, your ability to use those two feats, which are kind of unusable. In in Pathfinder, in like from like a min max perspective, like yeah, you can you can do a lot of fancy footwork kind of dancing uh, around the battlefield and stuff like that. But at the but uh, you know like at the end of the day, you're just losing out on a lot of potential damage.
0: Um, well, yeah, you need to take one of the archetypes that lets you move in between each attack. Um, right, like right. Or, or you need to,
1: like, you know, you can also exploit things, right? Like, so for instance, Mark had a wonky rule um, about. Do you do you remember his rule about like shotguns or whatever in in his Rise of the Rune Lords game that eventually died? Um,
0: well, you mean if 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 you're like at, it, yeah, you, you if can you attack fight, a single target at three times damage, yeah, that if,
1: that you one? Fi- if you fire like a blunderbuss. Um, Uh, but there was also, like, a pistol version of a blunderbuss called the dragon pistol. Like, if you fire that in melee range, um, it only hits one target, but it does, like, triple damage sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I had a build that used, uh, that used dragon pistols for a gunslinger that used, um... Uh, they use shot on the run to essentially run up to somebody bam run away kind of thing yeah <laughs> um, which uh, which I never got to use but I always loved that build. like I would love to I, I would love to f- figure out a way it only really worked because of the dragon pistol rule but anyway stuff like that you know what I mean like you there are there are ways in which you can uh, you can abuse these uh, uh, these kind of rule sets Yeah. Um, also, movement is just kind of tougher to do in in Starfinder in general because of the, the changes to five foot steps and guarded steps, right? A guarded step is a move action um, rather than a free action if you don't move on your turn. So what you see a lot in Pathfinder is people make big dramatic moves to get into position and then shuffle, 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 shuffle for the rest of the combat. You know, because everybody wants yeah. to be making a five-foot step and then full attacking. Uh, but it's a lot harder to pull that off in Starfinder because you can't. First of all, full attacks are less powerful, um, and second of all, um, you know you can't uh, do uh, you can't do five-foot steps easily, right? Like you really have to position yourself well, um, and that's something that we've 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 encountered a lot as we've been like as my uh, Starfinder group has been playing. Um, is the, the the troubles that arise when people poorly position themselves. But anyway, that's completely off topic. Um, third level weapon specialization, we've talked about this. Uh, fourth level debilitating so, trick. So I actually
0: I actually do want to say something quickly on weapon specialization, just because it fits in with this theme okay. of like uh, limiting things, like uh, what we were just talking about with the armor stuff, with the, like you know like you're kind of like force people into armor choice. I think this weapon specialization thing on every class. Is a kind of it seems like it's a kind of patch to that problem, because you could take the long run proficiency with just one feat, but in order to get, um, in order to get like the full the full effect of it, you have to take a second feat in specialization, and so I think that's an attempt to kind of patch that out to like make it cost a little bit more than just a feat, because you don't like we just, you know, Starfinder d- doesn't have the mechanics for like a, a two feet kind of costing thing, if that makes sense
1: interesting yeah i i actually feel this in my game because i'm currently there so okay so there's not a lot actually to do um with your feats because there just aren't a lot of them right now yeah. um and so for instance at level one i took a couple of skill focus you know, like skill synergy feats you know like to make some skills class skills right and get some bonuses right to kind of like level off my skill game or whatever i would like never take feats like this in, in pathfinder it feels like um and uh, and then I was kind of looking forward. I was like, well, what am I going to take at level three? What am I going to take at level five? Kind of thing. And I eventually was like, you know what? I should just get long arm proficiency, right? Like it's 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 definitely useful sort of thing, and I'll be able to kind of uh, I'll be able to kind of make it work. But this is actually pretty punishing to you if you want to do something like that. Like I'm not actually going to be using long arms at a uh, like at an advantage until level five, when I can take the proficiency to it, right? Or, you know, alternatively, level three, when I sink two feats into it, um, in order to get the weapon proficiency, which I think is actually a very good thing, um, because otherwise, you know, like, I think the differences between the the weapon types would absolutely make it worthwhile for basically everyone, right? Just, like, the the damage increases that you get. Like, if this were to say something, you gain weapons, weapon specialization as a bonus feat for each... Um, uh, for each weapon type that you have proficiency
0: with, right? So that, there, so that there, it would there is, retroactively... There is a feat that does do that, does do that. Um, but you have to have at least one weapon specialization, I believe.
1: Right, right. I'm just saying, like, if this was the baseline, right, and okay. so it retroactively applies and you only need to take one feat in order to qualify into it, I actually think that a lot of people would be moving up into long arms, uh, you know, like envoys and stuff like that, um, because just, the, the, you know, the, the, the DPS difference... From the half on small arms, full on long arms is like pretty pretty huge, um, and uh, and so I think that this is a really clever way that they they counteracted that.
0: Yeah, um, and I also think it's not too heavy if you really want to do that, right? Like if you yeah, really yeah, want to yeah. play with long arms, like one feet at level one and one feet at level three is not is not uh, impossible. Um, it just means that like that's that's what you're dedicating yourself to doing. Yep. Um, which I do like. Um. All right, I think that's enough about that though. Uh, debilitating trick, you were saying, uh, when you hit an enemy with a trick attack, you can make the creature flat-footed or off-target until the beginning of your next turn. You might learn exploits that grant you additional options for the bigger building trick, but you can only select one option each time you hit with a trick attack. Uh, that's this is just like more gravy on that on that trick attack thing. I think this is kind of too because very soon you also or not very soon but. Um, at some point, you kind of get the option to like you have to choose between your trick attack and your either double attack or at eighth level your your triple attack, and so this is a little bit more gravy to uh, make that more attractive and to make it more of a make make it more of a choice instead of uh, um, instead of uh, what's what's the word instead of a, like a given that you're always trick attacking each round.
1: Yeah. Uh, it, it is pretty clearly lifted from the um, uh, the Unchained version of the Rogue, uh, which is more powerful than this one because it's, like, minus four to attacks, minus four to AC, flat-footed, and off-target are minus two, respectively. Um, but I think it's fine. It's, you know, like, it's entirely within balance and everything like that. Um, so, you know, debilitating trick is is pretty legitimate. Um, unfortunately, debilitating trick is also one of the, the things that doesn't... Uh, um, that doesn't work with a uh, with a sniper rifle. You have to take an operative exploit to get to get the sniper rifle on that. Yep. So right. you also, by the way, have to take a, a, an operative uh, an operative exploit to get trick attack with um, with sniper rifles. By the way, this is part of what I'm talking about. Oh, you I need to take it
0: one one exploit each yeah yeah okay it
1: just doesn't apply uh it doesn't apply you know like you don't get debilitating trick unless you have the sniper rifle uh like uh, like operative exploit for it which only opens up like way later uh this is why i'm railing a little bit on this um uncanny agility um which is um uncanny kinda, dodge yeah it's just uncanny dodge i don't it, i didn't actually know why they changed the name of i'm that pretty sure to, i'm
0: pretty sure because dodge is its own kind of thing it has nothing to do with the regular dodge yeah um So that's that's probably just it. Uh,
1: Then at 8th level, you get triple attack, which is basically when you're making a full attack with um, melee operative melee weapons or uh, small arms. You get to make three attacks rather than just two. Uh, And then five levels later, at 13th level, you get quad attack, so you're making four attacks instead of two. Um, I think this is just kind of smoothing out, uh, you know, like smoothing out that damage curve um, when it comes to... Like, for instance, when you get quad attack... um, you're actually kind of at it you're you're kind of equal with someone who's using full attack with long arms at that point um because those big fat bonuses you get right you know at 13th level those bonuses would be plus six for small arms plus 12 for long arms right but if you're making four attacks right um that's it's plus 24 uh versus plus 24 sort of thing if you hit um, so I think this is just kind of smoothing out that, that damage uh, rotation. Plus, I also think that you know, like I, I do appreciate that they want to allow you um, to to perform to perform uh, strongly with pistols and stuff like that. Uh, I think that that is that is you know like a cool a cool aspect to the class fantasy of operative as a DPS class.
0: Yeah, no, that that makes sense to me. Uh, double
1: debilitation comes at 17th level so basically you know it's it's we're getting into the kind of the end game um it allows you to apply two of the effects from your debilitating trick so either both a flat-footed or uh and sorry um off target or um you can add in you know there are certain other debilitations that that you can get in with uh, operative exploits and you can Kind of slot those in and then supreme operative says whenever you attempt to skill check with your uh specializations associated skills you can roll twice and take the higher result. once per day is a move action you can temporarily trade out one of your uh, operative exploits for another requiring the same level or lower and the trade lasts 24 hours um and you have to have all the prerequisites and all that kind of stuff so it's essentially you know that you you re-roll fat skill checks um which most of these will apply to your operative attacks i'm sorry your trick attacks um, which is what makes them just, like, r- r- like insanely crazy. Um, and then on the other half of things, um, uh, you kind of get uh, martial flexibility but for your operative exploits. Which, you know, it's cool. Level 20. It's fucking, it's fucking broken. What do you want? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Did, did you have anything else in this class that you wanted to go into? Any of the, like, exploits or anything? No. I, I, think, I, I think we about covered it. All right. Uh, moving on to... The Solarian. A which- lot
1: of people, uh, a lot of people, a lot of our friends uh, seem very drawn to the Solarian. Um, our friend, my friend Charles, who you can see in the uh, in the Starfinder game, uh, in Starfinder East, you know he's playing a Solarian. I know Mark is really into playing Solarian. Uh, Enoch is also uh, is also on board with playing Solarian. So this one this one seems to be pretty popular. Um, its key ability scores are charisma, but also a high strength. Um, it actually kind of has one of the widest ability uh, kind of distributions that I've seen. It's also a melee class, so decks uh, for armor and constitution for hit points are pretty important. Um, and so I feel like it's actually pretty tough to make uh, to make like skill arrays uh, for for the Salarian compared to some of the other ones, right? Like like mechanic was pretty straightforward for me. You know, you just kind of pump decks, you pump int oh okay, yeah, the day what you're sort of thing. Um, but there's just a lot, you know, like, there's a lot more that goes into, into playing the Solarian. In fact, um, the, the Charles had a really tough time choosing between a Kasatha Solarian and uh, a Sheeran Solarian because a Kasatha Solarian is kind of inherently worse stat-wise um, than the Sheeran Solarian who can get plus Strength plus Charisma um right off the bat. Uh, a Kasatha Solarian gets uh plus strength, which is great, but plus wisdom, which doesn't really do anything, and then minus constitution, which can really hurt them. Um so yeah, I, I think I think Solarians have kind of the most demanding skill uh, uh, uh ability score array, which yeah, I find the kind most of interesting.
0: Mad, most multi attribute dependent.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um Yeah that makes sense. Um just kind of on, on base, give, given that like you, you know, there's the armor option for the the space. Weapon. Have, have you thought about playing a ranged Solarian at all? Oh
1: shit, I haven't. Um, that's cool though. I think that's yeah. actually very neat with the with the armor. Though you know, the, it is a very melee focused class, and we'll get into yeah, yeah. some of this stuff later. Um, but I think that there is actually a lot of uh, I think that there is actually a lot of room to make something like that. Uh, Interesting and viable, you know, um, which is neat.
0: Yeah, makes makes sense. All right, let's let's go down the skill. This this uh, rather class feature list, I guess, right. Yeah, um, their
1: skills are nothing special for, plus in modifier, acrobatics, athletics, diplomacy, right? You know, they can serve as a face, which I think is pretty good. They have diplomacy and intimidate, but not bluff. Yeah. Uh, they're, a, they're a charisma class, so you don't need an envoy, um, which is kind of, I, I you know, like, I secretly think one of the reasons that they are a charisma class is so that, like, you can have a face that's not an envoy sort of thing. Uh, but I think they're, you know, uh, it, it's... it's uh, I don't know. It's strong. It's interesting. Um, their class features, well... Uh, They start, um, uh, with a full BAB, uh, with good fort and will saves, um, and then they also have kind of, like, stat arrays that go up progressively based on, you know, whether you're taking kind of the lightsaber solar weapon or the kind of, like, holographic, you know, armor, uh, solar armor, um, that will scale
0: up kind of like a monk's damage does, um, yeah, uh, and uh, it's actually one of the things that I think is so. Um, let's just kind of we'll, we'll get to that in a, a second. Skill Adept is actually the worst of any of these skill things because you just get two more cl- skills as a class skill instead of getting the insight bonus. Yep. Um, but then we get the Solar Manifestation, which is this kind of like this, this this kind of premier class feature. Um, where you either get to make yourself a set of armor or a weapon. I do like that in the weapon section, they're like, you can make it look like whatever the fuck you want to, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Normally it's a sword, but you could make it into. Uh, fist, or tendrils, or, like, runes, or something. You just kind of vaguely swing it at things. It's great. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think it's kind of weird that they say that once you've selected the general design, you can't change it. Um, I don't know why that... I guess, I guess maybe there's kind of like, a like, like an... Like a, somebody could figure out a way to abuse it by being like, oh, I don't my thing doesn't look like that. It looks like this or whatever, if in case of like a, a plot point. But. It's
1: funny, it's funny that it says your solar weapon's general design has no impact on it function on its function. It doesn't give the weapon any yeah. special abilities such as reach, right? So it's like this thing does not impl- impact your gameplay at all. But once you've selected it, you can't take anything else, right? Like Yeah. I I, I don't get it. Um, uh, to be clear, you can't take anything else until you gain a new Sol- Solarian level. Yeah, um, I think it would be cool if you could if you could morph it around, right? I really like the idea of like you're swinging your you know your solar sword, and halfway through the swing, it turns into a solar axe or something along those lines. Yeah. right? Like, I think that kind of just like visual flavor is very neat and interesting. But you know, hey, whatever, it is what it is. Um, it essentially functions as a one hand kinetic weapon, uh, advanced weapon, uh, advanced melee weapon. Um, that you're proficient with, but its damage type is linked to, you know, your level, right? So as you level up, it will get more powerful, right? It starts at 1d6. It's actually at 1d6 for the first five levels, which is kind of nuts. Um, and then, uh, and then it'll eventually get, uh, you know, 2d6, 3d6, all the way up to 12d6 at level 20.
0: Yeah, and and you, and you can also fit in, like, Solarian crystals and make your thing different, um... Uh, but then the other option which we skipped over is the armor, which is basically a nice scaling set of armor. Um, the cool thing about the armor is that, well, so the armor actually doesn't increase
1: your AC by all that much. Uh, but the cool thing about the armor is that it gives you resistance. Um, and, uh, which I think is neat. You know, like, I, I have always thought that, like, kind of, like, um. Uh, that having a class, I would, I would, I would, I've always been interested by having a class feature that's kind of more resistance and or DR focused rather than AC focused. So the idea is kind of like, it's not like you're, you know, it's not like you're a soldier with a shield and like crazy armor and it's tough to get, you know, damage in because your AC is so high. It's like, well, it's actually pretty easy to hit you. You just reduce a lot of that damage. Um, yeah. I think that kind of, I think that kind of way to build a tank almost uh, would be interesting and uh, solar armor definitely does seem like it is uh, it is built a little bit for um, you know for tanks in
0: mind yeah um I, it also doesn't it doesn't seem like it you, you can wear it over a set of regular armor right uh,
1: oh I actually don't uh, I don't it's know. A-
0: it doesn't say you can't, right? It gives you an enhancement bonus, so you just don't get I assu- like.
1: Yeah, I mean, I assumed you did, right? Like, I mean, obviously, plus two AC is very low. Yeah. So yeah, you I, must. I, I assumed, but I, you know, I. Didn't yeah, you, you, actually...
0: it must go over regular armor. Okay. Good. Um, which is neat. Um, I also think it'd be really cool, like, like this. Uh, it, you know, hopefully, there's none of these these lines in here because I don't remember any of them. But you can also like throw it over. Like, you could take that heavy armor proficiency and be like, yeah, I'm I'm the tankiest motherfucking. Tank, Solarian, fight me. Yeah, I'm pretty sure.
1: I'm pretty sure there's nothing about it being light. Uh, you know, like you need to have like the light armor sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, oh no, never mind. It is compatible with light armor, but it gives you no benefit if you're wearing heavy armor. Womp 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 uh, womp. Yeah, I uh, to me to me the very cool thing about uh the, the cool thing about solar armor is the resistance, uh, especially because yeah. like lasers. So like lasers. Um, and uh, and so you know you get either cold or fire resistance sort of thing. Um, and so these damage types are a lot more common because of the kind of gun types that, that you end up seeing sort of thing. And so I like the idea that, like, you walk into a room and everyone's using cryo weapons and you're like, oh, now I have, you know, fucking 10 cr- cold resistance. Get at me, motherfuckers, right? Like, I think that kind of thing is, is, a, is, a, very neat, uh, is a very neat concept.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely, absolutely agree. Okay, um,
1: and then we have stellar modes, which is kind of like the headliner, um, uh, of the, uh, of the class features. What stellar modes allow you to do is either attune you to the power of photons and stars, right? So you know, like light and heat and stuff like that, or to gravitons, which is, um, you know, like gravity, right? You know, like black holes and shit like that. Um, you it's definitely
0: not dark and life side, light side.
1: Definitely at all. not, you guys. One million percent not um so when you enter uh when you enter combat um you choose one of the stellar modes and the longer you're in combat you can like keep leveling up that stellar mode Uh, you can also switch kind of at a penalty or whatever um and then when you get to the top um which is i think three or four rounds you know what i mean like if you've been in there for three rounds um or four rounds uh that kind of unlocks like maximum potential um also some of the moves that you'll eventually get uh, will be powered up if you are either graviton attuned or photon attuned. Uh, in general, graviton mode is tank focused. Um, you know, it gives you a plus one insight bonus to reflex save, uh, reflex saves while you are attuned to it, um, and uh, and most of the graviton abilities are kind of tank abilities. Uh, uh, that do, you know, like crowd control um, or defensive things for you. Photon mode will give you a plus one, in, plus one insight bonus to damage rolls, um, and most of those are DPS kind of oriented, right? So if you want to be a tank, you enter into Graviton mode. If you want to be um, uh, DPS, you enter into Photon mode.
0: Yeah. The, 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 yeah. Um.
1: Um, I, this is kind of the first one of these mechanics that I've ever seen in Pathfinder. A Starfinder, any of yeah. the finders, right? Uh, which is kind of like a uh, uh, like a round by round uh, attunement kind of mechanic that will eventually pay off as you charge. You know, like as you charge up to kind of max level. I really don't know how to think about it because to a certain extent I think that the price is too high and that because it's a new mechanic uh, that it's not actually very powerful yet. Um, the, you know, like the stellar revelations, which are kind of like the, the, the abilities that you get, um, especially the Zenith revelations, like the ones that you can only access once you become like maximum, you know, once you've hit your maximum attunement, um, they just don't seem exceedingly powerful to me, um, these, by the way, the the just to just to explain this a little bit, the Zenith Revelations allow you to use a, like an incredibly powerful ability um, that uh, once you use it, you kind of lose all of your uh, you lose all your stacks, right, and you fall back down to to one essentially. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I, I my my hope is that they kind of push this a little bit further because like asking someone to wait three or four rounds in combat in order to get them. Uh, to use their essentially ultimate abilities is kind of a big ask when compared to um, a lot of the other sort of, sorts of uh, uh, a lot of the other sorts of abilities that come in Pathfinder or in Starfinder.
0: I, I don't know, I, I don't know if, if I think it's actually that that like weak because like the the, the, the solar the, the photon one is like a it's like a fireball at level one that you can use as many times as you want so long as you put the three rounds in, right? That feels like it's yeah, super but how powerful. Many
1: ti- right, right, right. Okay, so hold on. But, like, how many times are you going to get... for e- Like, those three rounds, that's a lot of damage, right? Imagine that you're a soldier and you're just plinking away with your long arm in that Right, time.
0: but it doesn't replace your... like, But, like, you're still hitting with your attacks during the rounds one and two. Right?
1: Yeah, I guess that is true. Yeah, I guess that is
0: true. Um...
1: I don't know. It just feels like it's not punchy enough uh, to to for those three um, for those three rounds of build up.
0: I I, I see what you're saying, and I, I I I feel like that maybe they could have made it punchier if they made it a little bit longer. But I feel like they like you know you I think you want to guarantee that you always get to do this once every combat. Like I know I, you can tell me because you've been playing this, and obviously I haven't. But how how often does does Charles get to get to a state where he could potentially use one of these see
1: it's is so he gets he gets about once at once combat but what's actually more interesting to me is that when he uses it it always feels underwhelming like it always feels like it didn't do as much damage as it should i guess you know what yeah. i mean like so, i almost wish that like i almost feel like if that you know if it was 3d6 right it's it's 1d6 per level but let's say it's 3d6 you know uh uh, plus level sort of thing and so it has kind of like a higher base value um i would say you know that that like it always feels impactful sort of thing um but it was always it, it was very interesting to me that like he would rush in and then kind of blow up in melee and even on two two or three guys right um but it just didn't do as much damage i don't know it feels like that kind of thing like should kill these guys You know, once you're in round, like, three or four in combat, uh, but, I don't know, it just never did. It felt that, which feels just weird to me, it just feels weird
0: I I I don't know, I I feel like that feels... So, what I I think's happening here, just kind of, like, based around, like, I've got a a couple characters that do magic stuff in some of my games, and uh, I feel like, because you have to use it on round three, you don't get to blow up on, like, the seven squishies, because they're probably already dead, which I think is a weakness like i feel like i feel like you want a photon blast on like the seven space goblins rather than the two or three like chunkier boys but when you're when you have to wait three rounds you're probably going to have to do it on the chunkier boys and so you don't get that kind of like nice kind of like ah yes i killed 12 goblins with one well-placed photon blast just because you, you don't have that opportunity um this is like if you blow your fireballs early as as a as a wizard right you get to take out the the mooks very easily, but if you're using them late, kind of like strategically, they feel less impactful, even though they're doing similar amounts of damage.
1: Yeah, that's definitely true. It's also something that you technically have infinite of, right? A right. wizard will 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 run out of fireballs, uh, but a uh, a Solarian won't. And I think in the, mo- in the most of the times in the games that we tend to play because we're playing on weeknights, you know, we all have jobs and stuff like that, um, and so uh, you know, like we're not playing for like eight hours on end on a Saturday. Right, we're playing for three hours on a weekday night where you only have like one or two combats. Um, this is a problem I've talked about before in Hell's Rebels, where like you guys can kind of just blow all of your daily shit, yeah, yeah, because yeah. there's just like not enough, you know what I mean? Like there, there, there isn't enough.
0: Um, you're not in the situation where you're like the fourth combat of the night, and you know exactly the wizard's right. out of spells, and so the Solarian's the Solarian's really shining there because he's he's kind of got like this this level amount exactly. of damage throughout. The so day. I, so
1: now that I now that I put it in those terms, I think that's a kind of expect that's kind of putting. Uh, uh, that's kind of making me think a little bit about um, how how this stuff works. Um, we're talking specifically, by the way, about the supernova ability. Um, which is, uh, you know, 1d6 fire damage plus an additional 1d6 fire damage uh, per Solarian, so 2d6 at level 1 and then increasing by 1d6 every, every level thereafter. Um, within 10 feet of you, you know, reflex save for half. That's the other thing is that reflex save for halves, so like, it's actually kind of easy to... It's not easy, but, like, it is easy to hit that reflex save and just not take a lot of damage sort of thing. Yeah. Um, um,
0: but that's the case with fireballs, too, right? Like, I, that's I, I'm, I'm comparing this to the fireball because that seems to be the most appropriate thing, but, like... yeah. Um. Uh, by the way, these are stellar revelations, which is the next feature that we haven't talked about yet.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, these are these are the kind of... It, it, in a way, it's almost kind of like you get gunslinger deeds, I guess would be a good way of... like. All, these are all actions. These are all different kinds of actions that you can take um, yeah. for the most part. Um, so uh, So
0: I, I wanted to ask you, because Charles um, had told me at one point, like, I'm just going to do this. What do you think of the, the disproportionate revelations mechanic? um my I look at it and my gut reaction is like why who cares um just for folks at home that don't know just for revelations if you have more than one more of photon or graviton revelations like if you if you unbalance yourself and you only take photon revelations it takes an extra round to fully attune it's in four right. instead of three rounds um um and i'm kind of curious like i, I want to know how like did, did charles end up going with with that or did or is he balanced
1: I think at level one, he can't help but be bad. Oh, yeah, okay. I didn't realize so, you guys were still at level one. Uh, we uh. just leveled to two at the end of this week. Uh, the AP is actually exceedingly low for levels. Um, across the six books, you level twice a book, so you actually end at level 12. Oh, Jesus. Which is, yeah, right? Um, which is, you know, kind of insanely slow uh, compared to the pace that we're normally used to. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, he has told me that that's that's the way they were going. Uh, so what I don't like about the disproportionate revelations is to me this this mechanic is kind of striking a dumb middle ground um, between uh, uh, it's it's like it's, it's a dumb middle ground between restriction and kind of opportunity almost. I think this really just wants to read one you know you cannot have you know like once you have more of one you have to take the other and you have to go back and forth sort of thing because like the theme of balance is so important for the class in general right i think that them kind of coding the two different um like the two different stellar states one as being kind of defensive and tanky the other one is being dps um Allows for weird min-max options if you kind of allow freeform, right? If, if for instance, if it's freeform, I'm pretty sure most players just take all stellar, you know, all of the photon revelations and don't give a fuck.
0: You know what I mean? I think most players take like they focus on one. You're either a, you're either dark side or light side or not. Yeah, I mean, not I, copyrighted I, terms, I, you I know. Think,
1: I think most players would just kind of say, you know what, death is the best CC. I'm just gonna pump my DPS through the fucking roof. Right,
0: and I'm, I'm sure, sure, I'm sure, but and every once in a while you get somebody who's like, ah but i yeah, am the smart right, one right. and i'm using. take thing all is, gravity you know, like, but the no one point takes of both. the
1: class is this balance uh, yeah. right, you know and that and that you can uh, and that you can kind of go and do both right i also just kind of think that they they balanced around this idea right like it doesn't just it does it just doesn't seem like there are a lot of stellar revelations um for either or right you get them very commonly you get one at first or sorry you get the first two at first level right the black hole and the supernova right off the bat and then you learn an additional one at second level every two levels thereafter so you you're learning a lot of these sort of things um but because they're split down the line and you have half and half um, it would actually be really easy if you could just take all photon revelations to just fill out, you know, and just have a million photon revelations, um, which I think is, you know, which is, a, which is, I think bad, right? You know, it kind of reduces the, the, the choices that you're, the, that you're getting into almost. Um, and so to me, I actually think that this should be more hardline. I think that it should just say, you know, you can't unbalance yourself or else you fucking, your shit doesn't work at all. You know what I mean? Um. And, uh, and that this is like this is just like a very weird it's just like a weird stopgap that I think people like Charles will and is currently ignoring like I feel like he's just gonna take all photon stuff and uh, and kind of ignore the graviton stuff because I also understand for someone you know what I mean to like look at like the black hole ability is just kind of insanely bad it feels like compared to the supernova ability uh, the black hole ability um, Uh, Is a standard action that pulls uh, creatures twenty feet of you or closer into you by ten feet, but they must succeed at a Fortitude save Uh, in order to do that. The distance increases at a really slow rate, you know, by five feet at fifth level and every four levels thereafter. Um, It doesn't do any damage. Uh,
0: Uh, It it doesn't provoke the AOs. Yeah, it doesn't
1: provoke AOs. It doesn't. It doesn't even make them prone or something like that. You know what I mean? Like just something. It feels like just moving these guys just feels so bad compared to Supernova, right? Which is AOE damage. Everybody can get on board for that
0: sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um. I'm I'm curious about like. Uh, I, I guess this is kind of weird because like you could just like. <laughs> I guess this is a point for like just being fully graviton. Uh, you know, if you like the graviton boost, because like. That's one of the things, right? Like like the, the, the kind of defensive abilities you give a graviton lasts as long as you're graviton attuned. So mm-hmm. if you just never blow a uh, black hole because you don't give a shit, it doesn't matter how how long you have to, you know, how how many yeah, times you true. I mean have at sixth
1: do. level you can just fly because you have defy gravity as a graviton ability. Uh, yeah.
0: And it lasts until you are uh, non uh, unattuned. Yep. Right?
1: So yep.
0: Uh all right. Whatever. This is weird. Do you, have any, do you have any of these revelations that you want to speak to in particular? Uh,
1: I kind of want to talk a little bit in general, I guess, about the Graviton abilities. I think Starfinder and Pathfinder have a really huge problem in not being able to uh, uh, encourage tank-based gameplay. Um, which is unfortunate, right? Like, one of the things, I mean, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big apologist for 4th Edition. I like 4th Edition a lot compared to most people, especially most people that play Paizo, right? You know, Pathfinder, you know, kind of got to its place off of the backs of people who were frustrated with 4th Edition and everything like that. But one of the biggest leaps uh, that I think has made 4th Edition so good um was introducing the mark mechanic for for tanks to specifically enable that kind of tank based gameplay right so that like you're marking enemies and when those enemies do things that you don't want them to do you can really fuck them up and punish them for kind of not focusing their aggro on you or anything like that pathfinder has tried so hard and in so many ways and starfinder as well um to figure out a way to make tank gameplay interesting, and they have just kind of failed as far as I'm concerned. Which sucks, because I actually really like tanks, and I think tanks would be a really cool um, addition to how we play, you know, like, how we play these kinds of games. Um, But just, I, I, I... I don't know. Um, a lot of it is crowd control stuff, which I think is good and which I think is strong and I would like to see more of, right? You know, at 6th level you have Crush, which allows you to stagger people. Um, you have Gravity Surge, which is disarm and trip combat maneuvers at range. Um, but, you know, I, I all of this stuff just feels way worse to me um, than just straight up running in and kicking the shit out of somebody.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like I'd... I'm the type of person who'd want to play like a graviton thing. I actually kind of want to. At some point, I want to try this out. I want to try making a a ranged graviton focused uh, Solarian, just mm-hmm. because you know, fuck you and your themes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah.
1: I um, mean, I I do, by the way, think that there are some strong uh, there there are some strong uh revelations later in the line, right? Like you have time dilation, which is a which is a uh, a zenith revelation that applies um like you, you essentially fire a cone and then apply slow to everyone uh for a number of rounds equal to um your Solarian level like that's that's crazy right that's really good um, Yeah, you know starquake uh does a whole bunch of damage um does uh uh bludgeoning damage and a knocks knocks guys prone right i think i think this stuff is very cool but at that at the same time right now it's you now you're you're fighting against miniature star right which is a movable which is kind of like a you know like the thunderstorm ability that charles has in uh, in house rebels right it's this movable star that runs around the map and like you know does a bunch of damage to people i don't know i i i think there's some wonky stuff about the balance of this class but that's about that's about all i have to say about it
0: Alright, well let's keep moving on because we've gotten through nothing and we're almost, we're, we're over what we're what is supposed to, yep, we've yeah. got two uh, classes, good job, every, good, good job us. Okay, we're gonna have, we,
1: could, we could definitely finish out Soldier and Technomancer because they're actually much more straightforward than, than these other two classes.
0: Oh really, uh, you, you want to bite into the, the, the after time?
1: Uh, yeah, I feel like, yeah, I feel like we can, we can clear it. So, Soldier, uh, so... Soldier, well, wait, we have a,
0: wait, 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 we have to finish Solarian.
1: Wait, what are, what are we missing about Solarian?
0: Sidereal influence. Weapon specialization. Oh, yeah, strikes. Man, we're not
1: gonna be able to get through all of them, are we? <laughs> yeah.
0: Um so sidereal influence or sidereal influence, I don't know how to fucking pronounce that yeah, word. I don't really know what that is. Um you you meditate for a minute and then you attune to either Graviton or Photon skills. Um and you get uh you get to add one D six to uh uh you you choose a uh, skill from the list and then you get to add uh, a 1d6 to uh, result as an insight bonus um, uh, until you enter combat, fall unconscious, fall asleep or meditate. Um, uh, so this this takes basically the, the place of everybody else's kind of like plus one, plus two scaling stuff. and replaces it with a 1d6, which makes it incredibly unreliable. Uh, hooray. Um, Yay. Um, also, this feels like it's incredibly stupid because like... <laughs> um, do, do, do. Oh, okay, so you, you roll the 1d6 when you make the skill check. I thought you ro- rolled the 1d6 initially and kept that for the rest of the day, which would have been stupid because you could just keep doing it until you hit a 6. Um, but this yeah, makes more sense.
1: It, Charles has used this a couple of times. It's actually pretty good at making up for your um, uh, like making up for your face skills or whatever, right? Like obviously yeah. you get Diplomacy and Intimidate with Photon skills, Bluff as a Graviton skill sort of thing. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, yeah.
0: I think it's neat that it gives you the flexibility there. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah weapon specialization
1: is weapon specialization. Nothing to, nothing yeah. to see here. Uh, flashing Strikes is actually kind of interesting. Um, it, it powers up your melee combat abilities. It um, allows you to make multiple attacks uh, with with more accuracy. And so when you make a full attack with melee weapons, they, they each take a minus three uh, rather than a minus four penalty. Uh, this is at level seven. Uh, so that's kind of like a neat, this is like a little neat buff. Yeah,
0: it's, like, a different direction than, like, say, Operative Takes with Triple Attack. Um, although this does kind of bite into something that um, I kind of... It's, like, th- there's a little bit more... A few more things in this version uh, in Starfinder than in Pathfinder, which is uh, which is a design philosophy I don't like, which is, like, you get a couple of class features and you can only realistically slot into one of them at the same time. Um, the one I remember most clearly from Pathfinder is Jotun Hunter, which is you can either use to, to you either dual-wield weapons that you're not supposed to dual-wield, or you can wield one large, uh, one weapon larger, and you can't ever gain the benefit of both of them. This this feels like this, too, right? Like, if you want to use small arms, you can't use flashing strikes with it ever. Um, although I guess this class is more melee-themed than, than, uh, than, than range themed so it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, you're, you're pushing something in a general direction, and it's... Yep. less good than what I would like. Um, these revelations, we've kind of already been over those, uh... You, you
1: just pick a second set of them, right, Starquake or whatever. Like, these are the, the zenith Revelations that I was talking about. Uh, and then Solarian's Onslaught, which is, uh, when making a full attack, you can make up to three attacks instead of two attacks, um, and they take a minus six penalty instead of the minus four penalty. Uh, so you're just kind of, like, banking rolls at that point. Um, yeah, um, and then but you get you the minus
0: five if you have flashing strength, which right. implies that you could trade that out for something. Yeah. Um. Uh, I don't know if you can yet, but you probably will be able to at some point. Uh, and then Stellar Paragon is just like more level twenty bullshit.
1: Yep. You you actually I like that they open on this um, as a move action. You can raise or lower light levels within thirty feet of you by one step. So it's kind of like if I just tank a bunch of move actions, can I just submit just like submerge us in darkness or like make things like just ridiculously bright? I don't know. Um, uh,
0: uh, Although I will, I will say, kind of on face, it's like a very kind of like mundane thing for like your capstone ability. It's like you could change light levels. It's a move action too. It's not even like it's like a swift or a bonus. The real power
1: comes uh, that you know when you attune your uh, your stellar mode, you gain two points instead of one. So you just you 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 speed up your attunements uh, much much faster, um, which is which is cool. You can also use Resolve to fully attune, but, you know. Yeah.
0: Um, one thing that... Level 20 that, bullshit. One thing I will point out about this edition that I'm liking is, uh, or about this game that I'm liking is, uh, you know, it says, on the first round of combat, but not after using a Zenith revelation, the number of arguments that are kind of like, that would have been caused by that sentence not being there, I was like, oh, maybe, did they intend for you to be always be able to jump into full if you spent the Resolve points? No. Oh, my God. They, they, yeah, they specifically yeah. said it even though technically they probably didn't need to say it they said it and that is that is beautiful they've learned that they, they've learned about uh you know if you, you know you scroll through the paizo forums and you see that guy with the the place that has like the avatar that's like a elf with like a blindfold on argues about everything um i'm sure people who are on the paizo forums know who i'm talking about uh, <laughs> he shows up in like every thread and he's just a contrarian it's great um or like at least the threads that I read, which are like me being like, if you do it this way, does it matter or not? And it's like everybody has an opinion, but whatever. Um, that's the, the the Solarian, probably the single most unique thing about uh, a class in the system. It's the. Do we want to push the other class, or do we just want to go to on to our weeks? I feel
1: like we should just we should just uh, we should call it. Sorry, we didn't get through much more of this. I guess we'll have plenty more uh, Starfinder review to talk about. in that Look minute.
0: forward. Look forward to Starfinder Part Twenty Seven in July of twenty eighteen. Um, it's 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 gonna be a at least we have a thing to always go back to for for RPG kind of segments, right? Definitely. Um, all right. Um, and, and this
1: is also something that you know uh, to transition, I guess, a little bit. Uh, this is something that's going to uh, be coming up as we play more and more Pathfinder. You know, like, my Pathfinder game has started. Mangoes is getting uh, up and running. Uh, and as we become more entrenched in the system, I feel like we'll have a better uh, understanding of a lot of these kinds of mechanics and how the, the, the whole yeah. game kind of works.
0: Yeah, um, I, I hope that my game gets up and running. You know, I've been I've been dying to play. We just haven't been able to make it work. But... Um, Speaking of Starfinder, how was your week, and how was the Starfinder game you played on whatever day you played it? Wednesday, uh, yeah, Wednesday? we
1: played we played Wednesday this week, which was a bit of a um, uh, which was a bit of a different day, uh, just because it's just I, I, it was it was a bit of a different day just because we couldn't uh like make it work and we wanted to and we wanted to figure out how to how to get there. Uh, and and get together. Um, So what we've actually been doing... I don't know if I've I've explained this on the cast yet. So what we've actually been doing is playing um, the AP, right? Uh, But also threading in aspects of Starfinder Society to kind of fill it out because we only get one AP every two months out of Starfinder compared to, uh, like, one AP book a month which you get out of Pathfinder, uh, which I actually think is actually cool and really crazy uh, because it's just allowed us to do neat weird shit that's a lot of fun um so yeah i don't know we've been uh we've been we've been we've been doing that um i don't know how much i want to get into i guess we played like this week specifically we were doing uh starfinder society stuff so it's not like but like a like a spoiler um sort of thing uh we actually did some star uh some starship combat um i really don't know how i feel about starship combat uh it kind of feels like a like a slog right now, and I don't know if it'll get better as time goes on. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of getting that feeling a little bit, and I uh, and I don't like it, but I don't know what to do about it. I guess. Um, I think it might just be because we're low level, and it's typically one ship versus one ship, and you kind of figure out a strategy and then grind your grind your way to to winning. Um, but but yeah, I don't know.
0: Uh, so 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 what what feels so grindy about the starship combat it just, Its just uh, there is a lot of damage like hit point damage to get done.
1: Um, there's a lot of hit point damage to get done uh, and you kind of need to uh, like you kind of I, 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 you know and, and there's no, there's not a lot of opportunity for like cool I don't know. I don't know what the big difference is between Starship Combat and like regular combat. Um, maybe it's just because like we haven't played uh, with we haven't played with like a whole bunch of little guys. You know what I mean? Like where you're playing against a big a big slow destroyer and a ton of little you know like Tie Fighters. You know what I mean? What role do you play? Uh, I play uh, engineer, pilot. right? Oh, oh, okay. Well, yeah, so I'm playing pilot in in Arcane. Uh, which is actually a lot of fun. Like, Pilot kind of has a lot to do uh, because, you you know, you're choosing how we we move um, and stuff like that. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it also kind of feels as though there's just not a ton of stuff for the different roles to be doing.
0: So. Yeah, I, I, I feel that. Um, I, I read over it. I mean, just kind of the little bit we played at, at Gen Con. I feel like... I feel like there's not, like, a lot of cool stuff to do, right? Like, it's, like, it's only, like, basic attacks. Um, yeah. Right? I, I, I don't know how you fix that. Um, yeah. Although, it, it felt decent that the time we played, like, two years ago.
1: It, that, yeah. I, I don't know what that, I don't know. I really have no idea how, how to feel about it. I mean, the time we played two years ago was also cool because there were more ships. There were like three or four ships, yeah. The the one or two, which I thought was 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 neat. So I
0: I also wonder if there's like, if it would feel better around a table, cause like you've got the snappiness of being like actually a starship crew, right? Like you could role play into it a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I mean that's something that uh, that's something that I think would be very powerful, and I feel like you might have to kind of like, quote unquote, make up for I guess. Um, uh, some of the grindiness with role-play in order to make things, uh, I don't know, stronger.
0: Yeah. All right, well, yeah. I, look, I look forward to your reports on that since I'm not playing yet. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we, we recorded the session, uh,
1: you know, on or we streamed the session on Twitch. Feel free to... Uh, take well, a look. Uh, yeah, that's
0: for you, listeners. I can't watch it because we're gonna be playing the same Adventure Breath. Yeah. Well, you can
1: watch this episode and certain episodes that, that are that are society focused. But sure. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um. I I won't just because I don't know. Maybe Jimmy's gonna do the exact same thing and be like, maybe Jimmy's just gonna watch the episodes, and play it the exact same way, and we can be like, hey, I don't know what Jimmy's gonna do, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna risk that for the sure. moment. Okay. Um. But uh, what else are you do we with- do? with your week uh total war 2 came out i bought yeah, it so total War it yet.
1: Warhammer 2 uh, i've played nine hours uh all in one playthrough for quick Headtaker uh of the skaven which i am doing really not that good at i'm basically losing right now slowly um one of the neat things about total war warhammer 2 is that it allows you to see um your enemy's progress to the end state of the game which is to like fuck with the magic vortex in the middle of the map um to completion essentially uh my enemies are all kicking the shit out of me because skaven are bad and not very 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 good skaven units skaven have a cut have like some good units but they are they are one of the units that uses expendable troops and fodder more than any of the other ones um so like so for instance getting an army full of clan rats which is just kind of like the base skaven army um uh or like the base skaven unit it's really easy right clan rats are so cheap to maintain. So it's like you just have like three or four armies end to end and they're all fucking clan rats or whatever. But it kind of doesn't matter because they're so weak and they just route so easily that like if you actually went I actually tried this. I went up against uh like a group of maybe 15 lizardmen with like two full stacks of mostly clan rat and a couple of like other unit armies. Um and my clan rats just chain routed because they're so shitty and I lost the battle and I was like fuck 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 me i guess this is this is bad and not very good uh the other mechanic they have is food right um and you get food by winning battles and lose food uh like you lose one food for each of your settlements per turn um and for each of your armies per turn um which means that as you progress into the mid game which where i'm kind of at right now i'm like losing seven food per turn because i have a couple of provinces uh, under my belt or whatever right but it's also just kind of like well, I have to constantly be fighting and winning battles in order to keep my food reserves high, which is just a really tough ask. And so, and then you get into lower levels of food and then your public order. It's just like, it's hard. It is much harder uh, than I expected. Uh, and I do anticipate playing, uh, like, like starting a new campaign as one of the other races um, at some point. Uh, so, yeah, that's Total War of Warhammer 2 so far for me.
0: Yeah. Oh, what okay. else have you been playing? Uh PUBG. <laughs> Always PUBG.
1: Fair enough. Okay. Well, I've also been playing uh, XCOM 2. Uh, I really wanted to beat XCOM: War of the Chosen um, in preparation for Warhammer 2 releasing, uh, and I did eventually get there. Um, so I, so I got all the way, I got all the way through, I got all the way to the end of XCOM 2. Did you ever beat XCOM 2 like beginning to nope. end? Yeah. Nope. Me neither. Uh, but there's actually, like, a weird sequel teaser that I'm, like, kind of, like, where are they going to go with this next? Like, like you know, you face down these big bad guys, these, like, elders or kind of whatever. Um, and uh, uh, and then they keep saying all this cryptic shit about, like, oh, well, you know, like, you know, we were just trying to – they're, they're going to come for you. They came for us. Like, all this stuff. And then at the end there's, like, a portal that opens under the sea. And you're just like, well, I guess, like, the Zerg are going to attack or some shit. Um, so I don't know. Maybe that'll be neat or interesting. Uh, I mostly felt with XCOM 2 that there are a couple of like small problems, uh, especially when it comes to DLC in the game. Um, like one of the one of the aspects of the DLC is that you kind of get uh, like cool and specialized armor um, and weapons. That that's that's like that's nice and interesting. Uh, but one of the things that ends up happening uh, is you get. You like your guys are just always tricked out and you almost have no reason to use like low level armor like everybody has like really crazy just like top of the line like like you know unique gear but you only have six dudes in a party and you right. can swap armor between everyone Right, So it's not like one of those things where you kind of have to say like, oh, well, you know, this fucking fusion, I only have one of this fusion acts and it's really, really good. And I'm going to assign it to my guy here sort of thing. But when I play another guy, I can't swap it out. You know what I mean? Um, uh... So, I don't know how to feel about that. It's also something that got exacerbated with the DLC, because the Alien Hunters DLC gives you three unique weapons um, and three unique armor types over the course of the game. Uh, and so, it just kind of feels like that you just you just get a lot of it. Um, so, I don't know. But the War of the Chosen stuff was really, really good. Uh, War of the Chosen inc- included kind of three new classes, all of which were pretty specialized um I was I was all about these classes. I thought they were really neat and interesting. Uh, it gave you the ability to kind of mix and match abilities. Um you know, like one of the things that happened in XCOM 2 is or like you know, the way XCOM works, it's like you can either take um abilities down the left side of the tree or the right side of the tree, sort of thing, right? Because all, all of those sides synergize. Maybe you mix and match a little bit here, but you kind of have like, well, this guy's either a grenade grenade guy or he's a who's he's a gun grenade guy sort of thing uh but one of the things that you can do is you gain ability points like slowly over the course of the game and you can use those points in order to like to, to give your guys abilities um that are um you know in order to give you in order to give your your soldiers uh abilities from like the opposite end of the tree essentially um so that was that was really cool that was really interesting uh and then uh I don't know. I played Iron Man twice and I got fucked over, essentially by RNG, and then the third time I played with regular safe scum and you know. Alright.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I watched uh, Kingsman 2 this week. I think we talked about it briefly. Oh,
1: shit! Yeah, we watched fucking... I watched Kingsman 2. Did you like Kingsman 2? I'm sure you did. Uh, Tell me I, how much you like it.
0: I did. I didn't think it was as good as the first one. Um, I thought it had flaws, but I thought it was a fun time overall. Um, uh, there were some moments that I think really stood out well, like, I think, like, Mark Strong's, uh, singing scene, um, was great, uh, I thought that, like, um, uh, so I, I might go into mild spoilers, so be aware, listeners, um, I, 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 I thought that, uh, some of the stuff was good, but I, 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 there were some things that just seemed weird, like, um, Colin Firth's inability to, like, like his, his weird, like, problems coming back seemed uh, seemed kind of pointless. Um, like, the, his, his, his kind of, like, fuck-up seemed kind of pointless. Um,
1: yeah, so you know why that seems pointless? I actually really wanted to talk about this. So, um, this is a term that I learned, I guess, at some, I, I, it's a term that I learned at some point. It's called a plot cul-de-sac. And this movie has, like, four of them, and it really kills me, Right. Um, hypothetically, every moment in your story should be building to further moments in your story, right? Like right. your 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 story is a bunch of moments that are linked, and this is like the South Park guys say this that are linked by by two ide- by two ideas. It's either but or therefore, right? So there's right. kind of like, you know, something happens, therefore something else happens, that kind of cause and effect. Or something happens, but this happens, which is that which is like the opposite kind of cause and effect sort of thing, right? Uh, this movie had like a bunch of instances where I really felt that that stuff wasn't being kind of implemented or respected, right? So the whole thing of like undoing... Um, Colin Firth's amnesia or whatever just felt entirely manufactured I think that this was entirely appropriate movie for them to just be like oh Colin Firth is here and he's fine and he's helping us on this thing and he just seamlessly walks back into the narrative and we don't bat an eye at that so, so, right? so,
0: so I, I will say that like if they had just left it at he got his memories back and that's fine um, then it would have then I think it would have been fine um like, I actually really liked how different they made, um, like, I, I think that his performance as, uh, you know, uh, the lepidiatrist or whatever, the, yeah. the, the butterfly guy versus him as the Kingsman, I think that was actually really compelling. I think he did a really good job of differentiating them as almost separate characters. Um, I think you could have just had, like, you could have had, like, maybe the, like, just the drowning scene and the dog scene and then, then just have it been fine. I don't think you needed, like, the weird thing where you can't, where he's, like, off kilter for a little while, um... Like, yep. I don't, like I I I think you I think you could even have him just like not recognize that, that whiskey was potentially a plant and just like it just seemed like like a bunch of faffing for no payoff. Um yep. I, I, The
1: same thing I I think the same thing is true for like the statesman and the kingsmen not knowing one another. You know what I mean? Like I think that whole thing was just kind of like like, meaningless... It was just, like, meaningless drama, essentially. But it was, it was what, a
0: little too dr- drawn out. Like, yeah, exa- like th- maybe- yeah,
1: this is exactly the problem, right? If they had just gone there and, like, Mark Strong is like, oh, I didn't... I, You know, I never wanted to have to do this. I, I don't want to rely on these, you know, crazy cowboys or fucking whatever he says in his Scottish accent. And then he takes him to to the States meeting and they kind of give him this tour of this whiskey plant or whatever, Um, and, you know, fucking... You know, they, they they get you get all this exposition out of the way. It was just like felt so tired, and it took so long to get there.
0: Yeah, I um, mean, I think I think you still could have done like they don't know they don't really know about each other. But you just don't have like three scenes. I think where like you you don't have like the scene in the distillery and the scene underground where he threatens to burn their balls off, and then like transferring that into like this drawn out introduction of Colin Firth again. You could have. Just had like you know he sees them and they're like oh there's been a bit of misunderstanding and then you cut and then like it's like champ being like oh so that's what that's about and it's all over and you don't have to go through all of that
1: yeah plus fucking um uh obviously Channing Tatum is so awesome and charismatic right <laughs> you know like the po- I I mean I love Channing Tatum I think Channing Tatum is the best Magic Mike and Magic Mike XXL are. Fantastic movies that I that I sing the praises of constantly, right? Twenty one and twenty two drumstream Street, perfection, right? Um and so to have a guy like him in the movie and then immediately sidelined, I was like, Are you fucking kidding me? Like you're not even gonna give me missions where like he gets to hang out with Eggsy and they get to have like neat banter, you know what I mean? Like back and forth and shit like that, right? Like oh god. It really just it really killed me. I really bothered me
0: you know you know what my prediction is is movie number three is going to be about Channing Tatum as the new Kingsman since he shows up as the Kingsman in uh, at the end of the movie um, and then the last uh, like kind of in the final conflict of this theoretical third movie, Mm-hmm. Um, because Exy's no longer in the picture because he's a prince now. In the, fi- in the final conflict, things are going to be looking down, and then Exy's going to ride up with, like, the fenceman or whatever and be like, oh, seems like you need a hand or whatever, and everyone will be like, oh, that's so great! Uh-huh.
1: Oh, holy shit, I didn't... Well, you know...
0: Uh, n- uh, that or it's going to be about Exe and Channing Tatum, and then the last scene of the movie is going to be like... Turns out every country has like an X man or whatever. Not, I just not kind of, to be
1: I just kind of assumed that the king's stuff wasn't going to interfere.
0: I could uh, see it going either way. It's just a prediction.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, uh, and then the and then the last thing that killed me was um, was Julianne Moore's character, who I thought actually was like funny and compelling and stuff. Is like that. Is that or Poppy?
0: Whatever.
1: Yeah, Poppy. Um, they kept cutting back to Poppy and doing nothing. You know what I mean? Like Poppy had this dumb side plot, which is just like, they cut back to her like compound like four times just to show her being like mean and like mugging and being a villain or whatever. And, And I hated that. I was just like, you know like her whole plan her whole evil plan happens entirely off screen before the movie even starts she just kind of presses a button and is like oh by the way i have an evil plan and it's all been set up already right like what i liked about valentine in the first one is that when you cut to him right each of those cuts was progressing his story a little bit right you know right. he is setting things up and you could follow the through line of he's putting his plan together right poppy's plan was already fucking together and you just keep cutting back to her to watch her faff about in the Colombian jungle or whatever and i was just like god so the, all of that stuff kind of combined together to make me have like a, a bitter taste in my mouth walking out of yeah place.
0: so i think they needed to do that with her because i don't think her plan was evil enough for you to like really feel like really really hate her Um, like, the fact that, like, I was actually super surprised when, like, her only demand was, like, legalization. That seemed like, like, I get that they're going, trying to go for the whole, like, maybe I could see their side of it part of it. But, like, it it seemed, like, way too too little, like, the things that made Poppy evil were, like, the putting people's lives at risk and just being kind of a a kick-the-dog asshole by, like, grinding people up into fucking hamburgers and making other people eat them shit, right? Like, it, it wasn't, like like it's not like the 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 kind of like stated objective of decriminalizing illegal drugs is kind of evil enough on its own i think they did a decent job of kind of portraying both sides of it with whiskey um and 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 whatever but i i it just felt i don't know like valentine felt unhinged poppy just seemed kind of like 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 unnecessarily i i it, 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 it felt weird to me, right? Like, like, Valentine felt like he justified his, like, like, he justified his insane plan with kind of, like, his own insanity and kind of, like, an internal drive, whereas, like, Poppy's plan was just, like, uh, I don't know, it, it didn't fit right. I, so, I, I,
1: yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, so here so here's the, the idea a little bit, I feel like, behind this. Because this whole thing is kind of like a riff on, you know, like, the, the 60s era, like, um, Bond villain sort of things, right. and a lot of those Bond villains had these like weird, evil plans that were like kind of related to like issues of the day almost. I think they're trying right. to do that by like being like the legalization of drugs, right? The first one is like cl- climate change, right? right, or whatever. But like the person has just like a really shitty. You know implementation for what that means, and I think that they hit that pretty well with Valentine. Yeah, um, where you know he he properly, we're like he properly set himself up to be like climate change is a huge problem, so let's kill all the poor people, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like that that was that that was uh, uh, that was kind of that was done pretty well, um, sort of thing. But in in this one, like uh, the legalization aspect of it, and like the yeah, I guess you're gonna kill people. Yeah, and I so so, the, so but I, the politicians are shitty and evil. You know what I mean? Like all that stuff. It just didn't really hang together. For, yeah, I think I
0: think, I think part way. of it is that like Valentine's plan required doing something kind of terrible, right? Like you could like nothing about kind of like the objectives itself required Poppy to be an asshole, right? Like she just kind of like that was just kind of like a means to leverage. Whereas like Valentine's solution requires the murder of everybody. You could theoretically think of a different way like, it felt like she didn't need to kind of do this like over the top stuff in order to get there especially like the super evil stuff which is you know grinding people up into hamburgers um i will say though i thought that uh elton john fucking killed it um for like a weird celebrity cameo i thought it was fucking great um also kind of like some of the little touches like i, th- I thought like the kind of poppy like 50s kitsch was really neat um I thought that her dogs being named Benny and Jet was an excellent fucking touch. Um, What
1: what is the, uh, what is the, uh,
0: uh, the joke there? Yeah. Um, Benny, Benny and the Jets is a famous Elton John song.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know a ton about Elton John. Elton John was, you know, I I thought, I thought that stuff tracked pretty well. I was annoyed at the kind of musical number fight right next to the other musical number fight. I thought that was just like, I kind of looked at that and I was like, really though?
0: Um, I, mu- musical choreography is, is, is as, as we've gone over before is kind of my, my jam so I was I was happy with it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm
1: definitely I'm definitely down for it. But like, first of all, I think it, it, the it, the way it worked in the first one was particularly special, right? And I almost think in a way that it's just kind of I don't know I I don't really know how to like properly explain how I feel about uh how I feel about that stuff. It just felt like the same thing right next to right next to the other one. I mean, and they were different songs, but, like, the songs were also similar. The way that I compared it on Facebook, I was kind of like, it's like if they had, if right after the Freebird scene, they had another, like, extended choreography fight scene set to Carry On My Wayward Son. You know what I mean? Like, those yeah. songs are so similar, and I just felt like this, I don't know, I just felt like that, that just was very weird to me. Um, You know... I don't know. I like. I definitely liked r- the robot arm guy. You know, the, like the continuity. I think the continuity stuff that they brought back from the first movie was great, even though Roxy dying was just awful. Uh, you know, like the princess actually being being you know kind of like her own character is kind of nice and like saves the kind of like weird spot that she got placed in in that yeah. in that first movie. I was
0: I was, I, I was weird super and bad and squicky. I I thought it was weird that they like double clutched references to that joke like i know right <laughs> like i you get like like i thought the elton john one was like like i thought elton john one was like a good cheeky reference but the fact that they also had that previous one was was like like I, I feel like that that didn't need to be there. And, I, I don't. Know. I, I
1: don't know. It's very strange to me because it seemed like the universal point of derision for the first movie. Yeah. Everyone was like, "Wow, this this butthole joke really just does not. It's just gross and doesn't land right." Um. And it's like they didn't even like nobody told them, so they just were like, "Oh man, you everybody loves that butthole joke, right?" Like you know what I mean? And then they I, did. The, and then they did and did a similar thing. Uh, with that shot in the fucking tent in the festival, I was yeah. super grossed out by that. Like I, I like, don't think
0: you needed to like god. track all the way down. Like I was like, I all know, right, what are they gonna cut? What oh they're not cutting... oh I know that's exactly what I thought I was like oh my god, holy fuck, they're not gonna do this, right? Like oh god. And for like a point that like made so like it did so little anyway right like
1: yeah dude because that whole thing was a plot cul-de-sac man like you know what I mean like holy shit and and I actually I have to say that I really liked reframing it up until that point with the kind of like you know he's in the kind of stereotypical James Bond you have to seduce the girlfriend of the bad guy right like that they're commenting on this trope but they're also subverting it right because he's in a committed relationship and he wants to be upfront about it you know like he has to save the world but he has a girlfriend sort of thing or whatever and I was like this is this is kind of Clever, right? And then, uh, and then they just had that shot. I was just like, it's like they don't understand their own movie. Yeah,
0: like, <laughs> I, I felt that like this was like a, a thing that, like, like rewatch. I rewatched the first one before I saw this one. Is that like they kind of like seem like they don't want a full commit to the fact that they're like kind of like subverting the the old tropes. Um, they like half subvert them and half embrace them. Like, I was half expecting that scene to end with something weird, like him like. Being like, oh, I can't do this, and just, like, jamming his finger up her nose and running away. Um, or something dumb like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought that, that, that could have that worked as, like, party. a joke, right? But th- th- they went, like, whole hog on it. it was, uh, uh, yep. Uh, yep. Yep.
1: Yep. Yep. Up. Yep. Anyway, so that's Kingsman 2. I actually don't really recommend this one in theaters, I don't think. I feel like, you know, you can you can wait. You can
0: so, wait. I, I, the, w- the way I recommend I, I would say, like, if you liked Kingsman 1. You'll, you'll probably like this. If you really like if you were like a super fan of Kingsman 1 like I I was, I think you'll like this one. I don't think it's as good. Um this is like a this is a fan, a solid like 7 fan of the genre type recommendation I'm giving.
1: Yeah, I guess yeah. I, okay, maybe I'm down with that. The see the thing the thing that disappointed me most between this and Kingsman 1 is Kingsman 1 felt really good because it held together on that kind of like particularly British version of classism, you know what I mean, where you kind of have like the uh, you know, the the Cockney guy versus like the super trim and proper uh, upper class guy, right? Like, it really missed it missed a beating a beating heart like that. I felt like to the movie to, to keep me yeah, like, really into it and understanding these characters. And so, so so this this is
0: a thing that actually bothered me a lot, and and I I think I'm figuring it out. Like Kingsman did a bunch of kind of world building, and the fact that you. Don't get a shot of the statesman table through somebody's glasses to kind of see, like even just like a shot of all of them mm-hmm. makes the table feel weirdly empty the entire movie until the end scene when you get it. I, I, I'm super curious why they why they just didn't put a shot with everybody, like like all all the statesmen in it earlier in the movie. I think it would have done a lot for like like every time I look at the Kingsman table, I kind of understand that the seats are filled kind of virtually. And even though I kind of, like, in my head get that that's the same thing's happening, I feel like it really, like, anchors that if you show a shot with everybody in in their seats.
1: I do want to say, actually, that one of the things I I enjoy kind of incidentally about Kingsman is it is a fantastic way to kind of explain the concept of cultural appropriation to somebody. Because, you know, like, this is, like, a weird hot-button term that has been, like, crazy politicized. But, like... From, a, from, like, an academic perspective, this is just a neutral term for, like, a thing that happens, right, when one culture uses, kind of, like, takes on and uses aspects of another culture and displays that for itself in a way, right? Like this is exactly what happened, right? Mark Millar, a Scottish writer, right, who's very steeped in British culture, kind of like took this like cowboy thing from Americans and like really played it up to the nines or whatever. And it's not like, a you know, like it, typically it's used as an attack on something, right? Um, but like and that doesn't necessarily have to be the case or whatever. It's just like this—the way that these that these cowboys are kind of stereotyped, right—is hilariously kind of. Um, uh, it's just it's just really like it's just really interesting to, to see from like that kind of outsider perspective of like yep this is what this is what people you know like this is what someone would see if they grew up on like westerns right this is what they think of America as being like whiskey and drinking and cowboys right like uh, all that stuff I yeah but I,
0: I, I feel like it's like the same type of thing with with the original Kingsman right like you know, Yo, I, yeah, de- definitely, definitely. Right, like, like, people people in Britain aren't all, like, people who are like, oh, I think I will get myself a new top hat and suit today with Oxfords, right? Like, uh, it, it's definitely in that same vein. Yeah, the, I, I think the, it the, works.
1: The difference, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it doesn't work one way or the other, right? Like like I said, okay. it's just a neutral term for, like, right, a right, phenomenon right, right, right. that happens. There's no judgment kind of, right, right, uh, right, right, right. like, included. But, like, uh, the, with the Kingsman thing, it's very, you know, it's very much – I don't know. I guess that one feels more lived in, right? This is a person who under you know, like this is a person commenting on his own culture, essentially. Whereas the statesman stuff is like American culture through a British guy's yeah.
0: eyes. It, you know,
1: I, and like, and that's the I, way I, that it came mm, across.
0: I, I don't know if I, I, I feel like that might be just because since you're like, I feel like if I were British, I'd feel like the opposite would be true. It'd be like, like not that like, I feel like it was like a British culture British, but it's like this is like parody of British culture. And like, you don't read it as much with the American version, just because you don't know as like, I feel like if we were British, this, this would read differently. Yeah, I
1: mean, may, you know, maybe it's because I know who Mark Millar is and I know the genesis of this stuff in a way. You,
0: um, you, also, again, you're, you're not, you're not British, right? Like, you know that Americans aren't all like 10 gallon hat wearing whip swinging Yeehaw types, right? Like,
1: sure. Well, so yeah, but I so I don't think Mark Millar is giving an accurate imp, like impression of who Britain of like what Britain is with this, right? Right. But I think it's a guy who's commenting on his own like on his own people's culture, right? He's essentially he's essentially kind of saying, uh, over the course of the movie, he's like, wasn't it great how we used to make these James Bond movies from forty years ago, right? That's that you know like that's what it is, but that's like a love letter to a guy like that who grew up in an environment like that, I guess. Whereas this is him, you know, like this is him. Like I, I, I think
0: I think that's a stretch. I think these are both love letters to like kind of like the western and the spy genre. Like I, I like I don't think you need to have grown up into him um, in America to like live inside of the western genre. Just like you don't have to have grown up in Britain, like. I don't think most people in Britain like lived in the high society parts. Just like I, as an American, had, didn't grow up inside of the the you know the Midwest culture. Like I, I, I think that's a stretch. Like,
1: uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to yeah, uh, uh, you know. Uh, I, I think agree, you know. Disagree. I have to say that I think a certain amount of this is muddled also because, like, obviously Mark Millar is the genesis of this kind of stuff, right? But it's also filtered through the American eyes of a guy like. Um, uh, I was about to say Brian Vaughn. It's not Brian Vaughn. It's his brother Matthew Vaughn, right? Matthew Vaughn is an American guy, um, and so he has like a different, you know what I mean? Like, so even it's it's not it's not a British person making an American movie. It's it's a uh, it's an American guy adapting a British person's movie about America, you know, like about American stuff to a certain extent. Like I you know, like I I I also I also had to say that I really enjoyed the kind of politics stuff with like the president or whatever who uh, who's played by uh, God I actually like him a lot I can't remember his name Sam Neil. Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I was wondering because like it's very clearly supposed to be Obama in the first one. Yeah, in the uh, first yeah
1: in the first one it's supposed to be Obama. I think this one has to you know this is Trump right? They're they're this, this is
0: no not, th- this is not Trump. This is very clearly supposed to be Bush. This is Bush. This oh is, shit! This is this like this. This is a very clearly like weird, weird W pastiche. Like he's got like the vaguely Southern accent, and he looks more like Bush. Than he looks like Trump.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Well, yeah, I
1: guess I, I guess I'm in a, in a weird way, kind of reading like this, you know, this duplicitous kind of hatred or whatever of like the, you know, like selling out, selling out the people for for. Law yeah, and but, order, or whatever, to be like a Trump sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like the part, the the part where he's like, you know, like all of these, all of these criminals are gonna be dead, sort of thing. That felt like a very Trump idea to me. But I, I do. See I don't what know. You're that, that,
0: that that feels more. That feels more like straight traditional neocon to me than it does Trump. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, whatever the case may be. I thought it was funny. Um, so yeah, I guess that's fucking. That's me, the that podcast. Thing, and, yeah, there you go.
0: <laughs> if you want to email us to tell us about your political opinions and who your favorite president is, you can email us at games at gmail.com. You can watch us on twitch.tv slash games. You can follow us on iTunes, everywhere good podcasts are. Rate us, review us. Uh, SoundCloud, send us comments. We love it all. Please send it in. Uh, I think that's it. Buddy, do you have anything else you wanted to promote? Nope. In that case, until next time, dear listeners.
1: Until next time, loyal listeners.